It's old age. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I don't know what you're thinking or feeling this morning. I'm kind of uh, worn out. Today I'm feeling my age and I'm feeling my mileage. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and yet I'm able to be here. My family are all pretty sick, so um, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I struggled this week with, um, with my, my empathy. I, uh, we all have some capacity of empathy where uh, when you hear about things that people are going through, you, uh, you re- either remember similar things of your own life or uh, you, you feel for them or with them in that sense. Um, this week um, is a reminder always to me on uh, New Year's Eve of, of losing my dad at, at the age of 17. Uh, my dad was 42 at the time. There's um, death of a newscaster this year uh, um, who was 43 and has a nine-year-old daughter. And I thought of that family. I read about the situation that uh, Trevor talked about and the two-year-old being uh, hit by accident and the family struggling with that and then to hear that they're also struggling with, uh, with the family court system uh, just reminds me that this is not always just a time of joy. And it's uh, easy to become discouraged and I thought, well, I want to I be able to not just talk about discouragement but talk about picking ourselves up and going forward and so uh, it reminded me of what I have called this Sunday for years. Uh, uh, I've called it Ebenezer Sunday. Um, now, my calling it that goes back to a time before I was fully involved in the Holy Days um, and the religious calendars which inform our present liturgy as we currently practice it. In that time, the last Sunday of the calendar year, was a time when people reflected on the year in the past and looked forward to the new year. Some people were sad to see the present year go. Others were uh, ready for it to be gone. Some people were embracing the new year and others were uh, saying, wait a minute, I haven't finished this year. You know, that kind of thing. And that's the odd thing about calendars. One of the reasons that we look at life cycle and religious calendars is to catch the rhythm of what God's word tells us and what our faith tells us about the foundations of our faith in the holy days and the they both look back and they look forward to the eschaton, the time when the kingdom will be here. Well, Many churches will just do a New Year's Eve kind of service, pray out the old year and pray in the new year. I think that's fine. My mother-in-law asked me if we were doing that, and I said, we have enough things going on (laughs) with with Advent and Hanukkah and Epiphany and Christmas and all of that, uh, that we don't do that. Although January 1st is actually Holy Name Day, it's the day eight days after the celebration of the birth of the Lord 
is the time of the circumcision. And then, of course, the presentation would come uh, 40 days later. And that uh, that is the tradition that, that we all are familiar with and was just read. So we don't do as much with the secular anymore. And so I have not talked that much about the Ebenezer Sunday. But I thought this year it might be good to do that. Uh, it's not a bad thing to do while Jewish and Christian years have already begun. So in that sense, it's not a new year for us. And even the lectionaries are in place. We're in Exodus in the Torah readings and we're well into year uh, uh, C in the, in the Christian uh, readings. Um, we are Americans. We are American Christians. And while we have a Judeo-Christian faith, we do, in a sense, live in this, in this context. As our scripture told us earlier today, we are to not be of the world, but we're certainly in the world, and there is a, almost a impossibility to not think of the end of a year and the beginning of a year. And for most of us, as new semesters start, as new year starts, Whatever those are, those are times when we kind of look back, get our bearing, and move forward. So I'd like you to turn with me to 1 Samuel. I know in the bulletin it says 2 Samuel. I, uh, I doubled, double-eyed there. <laughs> uh, so 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 is the one that we're particularly looking at, but I want to give you the context of this. The ark of the Lord had been uh, taken by the Philistines. You know the story. God plagued them and they said, what do we do? The, this, the God of this ark is going to uh, destroy us. Uh, so they put it on a, 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 a carriage and they put sacrifices on that. And they took two oxen that had never uh, borne a burden and they put that burden on them, and they said, okay, we'll just leave it alone, and God led them right back uh, in, over to Israel. Um, and so God has returned the ark to Israel, and Samuel at this point is going to tell them that you have to remove your false gods, you have to serve only the Lord, uh, and you shall do that. And so the scripture tells us that that's exactly what they did. Um, they did that, but they also, as they fasted and said, we've sinned against the Lord, so they've returned to the Lord and they've repented. Uh, but they also say to Samuel, continue to pray for us. Because they know from their history that their faith is a struggle. Our faith is a struggle. And we know from our history, as I often say, God's always faithful. We've been faithful several, several times. You know, that idea of, of that struggle. So... Samuel then in verse uh, uh, 12 says he took a stone and he set it between Mizpah and Shin and named it Ebenezer. Now the word Ebenezer is two words. The word for stone, uh, meaning not a little stone, but this could be something as big as a cornerstone. That's really the context here. Um, and help, the word help. The stone of help, or the foundation stone of help, which is who God is. And so he sets that up, verse 12, and he says, 
Thus far, the Lord has helped us. God, who is the foundation of all of our help, has brought us to this time and this place. He has been with us. He has gone before us. He has been behind us. He has been beside us. He has led us. He has watched over us. We have gotten to this place with the help of the Lord. And so it is that context that I began to reflect on and therefore began to call the last Sunday of the, um, of the year uh, in the civil calendar, Ebenezer Sunday. Because I'm aware that the Lord who is our help is always faithful to his word and his promises, even though we are inconsistent. And that reminds me to return to the Lord and to serve him alone and to acknowledge him in everything that I do. And I need that reminder and I'm thankful that we have that reminder at Lent. As we move into Holy Week. I'm glad we have that reminder at Elul. As we move towards the Day of Atonement. But the truth is. I need it more often than that. And so. At any point where I can remind myself. uh, Get your act together again. Is something that I try to do. I try to do it at the beginning of each semester. When I rethink my calendar. And I always do it with some kind of. Uh, ritual, even if nothing else, to rearrange my office a little bit gives me a sense that I'm moving forward, not not moving back. Right? Uh, in the years past, Linda used to wake up and I would have rearranged all the furniture in the house uh, all night to give that just a different sense. You know, it's uh, if you'll go into your house and sit in a chair you don't normally sit in. There's a there's a, a fresh perspective. In that kind of context. So I want us to think about this. But I want to think about it in a uh, New Testament context. And that New Testament context is in the book of Philippians. So I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. I'm not going to do the whole book of Philippians. But I'm going to draw on it. And look at a few passages. uh, As we kind of think about this Ebenezer. That God is our help. He's brought us to this time and this place with the implication, the implication that he will not abandon us now. That not only will he not abandon us, uh, but he will bring us all the way to uh, accomplish all that he has um, prepared for us. So in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, Paul says to them, I am confident of this thing. That he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, that text is one that most people uh, of my generation memorize. There are certain verses that everybody memorizes at some point, And this is one of those. He who has begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Christ Jesus. There's a couple of things in here that's important. One is that... That he, that being God, who is our help, the foundation of all our help, who started a good thing in you. This looks back. Looks back to God who has brought us to this place. Who has been there. As we've had testimony earlier this morning 
of God's watch care, we all can look back and see, sometimes it's easier to look back and see the hand of God than to see the hand of God in the future. Because the future is not known to us. But we can look back and go, I see where God was there. He that began a good work in you will continue it until the day of Christ Jesus. There's the goal. Not going to continue it just till the end of this year and then he's done. Not going to do it just till uh, you reach retirement age. Not going to do it until you die. He's going to do it until the day of Christ Jesus, when the resurrection takes place and we enter into the kingdom. That's really important. That gives us a perspective, because sometimes we lose that perspective getting our vision on the things of the earth. Now, to respond to that, he who has begun a good work in me will continue it, means that he's the one doing the work, not me. I can cooperate with that or I can resist it. But he's the one who does the work. And I have a testimony, as many of you may have, of times when I've been walking with God with faith and strength and encouragement and joy and all of that stuff. And then there have been times when I haven't been quite the onward walking believer. Okay? Uh, I'm Yesterday, Linda took one of the dogs out on a leash, and when the dog got to a certain point, it just dug its heels in, you know, and had to be drugged. Okay, I've I've been drugged by God. I've been drugged, kicking and screaming by God, not knowing it was God, seeing it in hindsight that He was keeping His word, even when I was resisting His word. And so this is an important thing for us to understand. We're going, he's going to accomplish what he says he'll accomplish. And we can cooperate with it or we can resist it, but we can't thwart it. Okay? We can make ourselves miserable in the meantime. So that's important. So what does that require of us? It requires of us an attitude of humility. That God is in charge and we are not. I don't like the way you're leading me, God. I don't, you know, I would do it better. Let me, let me give you some advice. That's not our faith. Our faith is, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And if I had time, I'd go to Philippians chapter 2. And Philippians chapter 2 simply is a chapter on humility. The humility of the Lord himself who humbled himself to become one of us, which is what we're celebrating now, the incarnation, and then being found in the form of a man, humbled himself even further to the point of death. It's a long way from the glory that he had with the Father in the beginning to just become one of us, take on human form as one of us so that I mean that's humiliation and humility enough but then to take on that process of the cross unto death is an incredible humility and trust of God and Paul says let us have that same 
mindset. Then the exaltation will come from God himself. So, moving from that, uh, if we acknowledge the Lord, uh, Paul says he's going to complete what he's done in the kingdom to come. Nothing can stop God's purpose. We can bring problems on ourselves forgetting the Lord, but we can't stop his purpose. So if we acknowledge him in all of our life by humility, then we begin to notice, as has been testified today, that watch care of God that is there. You begin to notice, if you will, the handprints of God um, in that context. You guys have all seen the picture of the, the footsteps, and there's two footsteps, and then there's one set of footsteps, and the statement is, this is where I carried you, right? Uh, my life doesn't look like that. My life has two sets of footsteps and then skid marks, you know, and the footprints of God would be in that screaming. But, uh, I'm trying to now get up more and more and walk alongside, but uh, I am the uh, person uh, of a rebellious heart, and so I, I struggle with that. So, with the humility, remembering that God knows what he's doing and you don't. Remembering that he is in heaven and you are not. Focusing then on, Lord, what do you want me to do if knowing that I can trust you in whatever you ask of me? We move then into chapter 3 of Philippians. And we're going to pick that up uh, at verse um, verse 9. Paul says, I want to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Now this is important. Romans talks about two righteousnesses. Our righteousness by our own effort of obeying the, the commandments which can never save. And the righteousness of faith, which goes back to Abraham, who believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness, who then, out of that faith, obeyed God. So it's not, I'm going to do this, God, you owe me. I trust you, Lord. You will keep your word, and therefore I will act according to what you have told me to do. That's, all the difference between work salvation and salvation by faith. Salvation by faith is not without obedience. But it is not an obedience that encumbers God. It's an obedience that trusts God. And so Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Now I like the first part of verse 10. And I bet you do too. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I'm not so crazy about the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. In part, I don't like that because that's not what I was taught in this faith. I was taught your life is miserable, you come to Jesus, and that everything is great. Okay? Somehow, that didn't work out for me. Okay? The reality is that much of my struggle has been the struggle of faith, not the struggle before faith. 
And it is that which I have to remind myself that each day I have to get up and say, today I will follow the Lord. And so how do we do that? Paul says, in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, which is the second coming, which is the kingdom to come. Now verse 12 is critical. This is not positive thinking. This is not just say the words, I'm blessed, I'm saved, I'm resurrected, I'm healed, and then everything just falls into line. We've been brought this far. We will be brought the rest of the way. Right? And so Paul says, not that I have already obtained it, or have already become complete or perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. There is a focus here that's really important. And the focus is not the focus of our culture and our world. The focus of our culture and our world is, make your plan, do your plan, promote your plan, and be your plan. There's no humility in that. Our faith is, He has purposed. He has called you to His purpose. He will begin a work in you and will continue it. Humble yourself under the hand of the Lord and trust Him and obey as you move towards that goal. So he says in verse 13, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. It's not yet. It's not now. But this one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind? I thought I was supposed to look in the past, reflect on the past, and then address the past. Now, the context here is Paul talking about all the good things of the past. We have a tendency to think of all the bad things of the past. Either way, you can't stay focused on the past because the past isn't going to change. Every time you check, it's going to be exactly the same. Now, you can think about it differently, but he doesn't even say, I think differently about my past. This is not recreating the story of the past. He says, forget it. Drop it. Let it go. I want to sing let it go. you know, Because the cold never bothered me anyway, right? So, <laughs> what he's saying is, that's not, where you go, that's not where we're going. We're not going back there. It's an old Doug Oldham song that I love, but I can't sing it because I can't get through it. Where he talks about going into the house that he grew up in. And he ran and hid behind the door. And his dad said, son, you don't have to be afraid. Thanks to Calvary, we don't live here anymore. We don't live in that past. Those things are done. Good, bad, or ugly. They're done. We're on a new path. And that path is the one he's called us to that leads to resurrection and the kingdom of God. 
so we can trust and obey. We're not disqualified by the past. We go forward in that sense. So that's what Paul's talking about. And he says, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm reaching forward to what lies ahead. Right? Now, forgetting those things which lie behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead. Now, I want to give you an example of this. Here's what a lot of us do. Well, I'm waiting for the Lord to come. Right? That's not reaching for anything. Right? So, if you're looking at the past, you're not reaching forward. If you're just sitting there, you're not reaching forward. He uses the word pressing on. This is an intentional, deliberate act of saying, I am going to move forward. This is Joshua saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, that's not a one-time profession of faith. That's an everyday get up and say, today I'm walking this direction. Through the pain, through the trouble, through the struggle, through all of that, it's not just waiting for things to happen. But he says, I'm reaching towards what lies ahead. Now that's the key to what he talked about before. I'm not reaching forward to 2019. I'm not reaching forward to 2020. And if the Lord should tarry and I should live, I'm not actually waiting for 2030. Or 2040. Or by some weird stretch that I would make it to a hundred 2050. Paul's saying, I'm reaching towards the resurrection and the kingdom to come. That's that eternal perspective. That's that thing that goes beyond. It's what we sing about when we sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. It's this shift of focus to eternal things that Paul is talking about. So he says, let us therefore, verse 15, as many as are perfect. Now he doesn't mean perfect in that sense. He means who are complete. In other words, who are have this in place. If anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that to you. Okay, So, some of us have this clear, and we're moving on it. And some of us are still saying, yeah, but I'd like to do this, and what about this, and what about that, right? He says, God will work that through with you, because He continues to work in you. So, He says this. Let us, however, keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. If you forget the past, you don't relive it. You don't go back to that standard. I've made it this far. 
God's brought me this far. He's taken me on. I'm not going back. I'm going forward. That should be our hope. That should be our confession. That should be our attitude every day when we get up. That should be our attitude every time there's a new moon. Every time there's a new week. Every time we wake up in the morning and say, that's over. And frankly, this is one of the reasons why I work very hard to think of the day ending at sundown. You know, the biblical time is sunset to sunset. And I usually try to, when the sun goes down every day, say, okay, that day is over. And I'm starting a new day. And this new day, I'm starting in the evening, which is my time. I'm not a morning person. Right? I'm going to start with a nice dinner. I'm going to be with my family. Then I get to sleep. And then when I wake up the next morning, I just got to get through this daylight till the end of that day. Right? And it's a different mindset. The mindset doesn't change anything, but it changes the way you look at things. And the way you look at things sometimes affects your behavior. So, I press through the goal of the upward call of God through Christ Jesus. Now, notice what I said when I reach ahead. If I'm reaching ahead for eternal things, what about all this stuff that's in the way? What about life and death and principalities and powers and things present and things to come and all of that stuff. Well, Paul tells us in Romans, none of that separates us from the love of God. None of that changes what God's doing. In all those things, he's working good. Now, I shuddered this morning when Trevor talked about this family because I know as they face family court that they are facing a terrible system. Even at its best, it's pretty bad. But in some cases, it's terrible. And we suffered through that. And I realized that God doesn't say, if you walk with me, I'm going to take you the easy way. What he says is, I'm going to, I'm going to be with you as you go through it. None of us like going through things. But at the end of that is the testimony that he's brought us to this time and place. And he will take us all the way to the kingdom. So, the goal is not ours, but his. We do not plan our own life, but we live it as he directs us according to his purpose. So, we get then to 16 to 21 in chapter 3 of Philippians. Let us keep living, notice the ongoing thing, keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example. If there was anybody who had controversy and problems, it was the Apostle Paul. And yet he stayed consistent in what he was doing. Join in following my example and observe those who will walk according to this pattern which you have in us. Because many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their appetite, and their glory is in their shame. They set their mind on earthly things. 
But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power which he is able to subject all things to himself. The focus is on the goal. When Jeff was talking this morning, I thought of Simeon and Anna, two old people waiting for the consolation of Israel. They were going to see a glimpse of it. They weren't going to see its fullness. But the glimpse would remind them that the fullness was there. They knew when he enters into his kingdom, they will be there. So, as we end 2018 whether it's been good, bad, or ugly for you, and we enter into the unknown of 2019, I don't want you to look at the year. I want you to look past the year. I want you to look beyond that and realize that God has brought us to this place and he will take us farther. So, how do we do this? Well, each week as we share testimonies, That becomes our confession. The Lord is with us and he is our help and the cornerstone of our faith and our practice. He will not abandon us. He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now in most of our homes is an altar that we have placed. I want to encourage you to let those altars be your Ebenezer. A memorial that God has brought you to this place. That means we have to make them functional rather than ornamental. They're not just there for looks. They're there to remind us. And at times we may need to place things on them that remind us of what God has done. A testimony of what the Lord has done. If we don't, we like Israel will begin to be distracted we will begin to forget. And while he won't abandon us, we need reminders so we don't forget him or abandon him. Now why in the world would we abandon the Lord who is our help? Only because of the blindness of our sin or the arrogance of self-sufficiency. It's okay, God, I got this. Which is the message of our individualistic and secular culture. But I think those are bad ideas. Uh, And most of us, if we look in our past, realize that when we got our eyes off the Lord, things were still painful, but now they were worse, right? So, as the hymn says, when you go home and you stand before that altar in your home, remember the original words to that hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Here I raise mine Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I've come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. We are nearer now to our salvation than when when we first believed. So let us press forward. You and I have come to this time and this place with the help of the Lord. So let us go forward in faith and in obedience from this place through the next year, giving testimony to God's help so that that testimony of God 
will be in our lives and in the lives of our children and our grandchildren. Let's pray.